there. This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to creative people. And today, my guest is a multi-multi-hyphenate. His name is Todd Flaherty. He's one of the stars of the new movie, Chrissy Judy. But he is also the writer, director, producer, and editor of the movie. It was a big hit on the festival circuit. And then I ended up going to see it actually in the theater here in North Hollywood. It had a short theatrical run. And now it's available on streaming for everyone to, to buy it wherever you buy your movie online. I was really excited to talk to Todd because the movie is a low-budget affair, but it feels like so much more than that. It's got style, it's got heart, it's funny, it's poignant. I love stories about friendship. This is a story about two um, aspiring drag queens and their friendship, which gets kind of fractured and their their journey uh, with that. And I wanted to see how he pulled it up. So, um, And there's also, I, I mentioned at the end of the interview... There's a fox that shows up in one of the shots, and it's kind of a special moment. And I, when I bring up the fox, that's what it's about. They got a fox to show up. So before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that this podcast, Dennis Anyone, is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. It's not. I made that up. It's not. It's not. They have nothing to do with me. <laughs> um, it's brought to you by me. I pretty much do it, kind of like Todd did with his movie. Um, so if you like what you hear, there are two ways you can support the podcast. You can go to DennisAnyone.net slash support. And leave a tip in my virtual tip jar. It helps me cover the expenses that come with doing the podcast. Like going to the movies when there's a cool movie that I want to try to talk about. Uh, you can also become a subscriber to DNR Studios. Uh, that's a group of shows that I'm part of. And for a monthly fee, you get my show two days early and you get all these other great shows. Most of them LGBTQ content. Um, great group of shows. And you can learn about that at DNRStudios.com. All right, that's it for the plugs. Here now is the interview with Todd Flaherty. Joining me now from Provincetown, Massachusetts, it's Todd Flaherty, the writer, star, director, producer, and editor of Chrissy Judy. Hi, Todd. Hi. Thanks so much for having me on. You're in P-Town out of season, or what is considered season? Like, you live there, right? I live here, yes. Um, yes, yeah, season is technically, um, I believe, if we say, like, you know, June through September, um, most people don't really start coming until the 4th of July because it's pretty chilly up here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, September, in my opinion, is the best month to be here. Yeah, what's it like in the wintertime? Are you guys all like, oh, I'm so glad those tourists are gone? Like, what's it like <laughs> when it's uh, you know, crawling it's, with people? It's a really special place um, for those who have been here. So we're um, like 60,000 people in the summer and about 3,000 in the winter. Um, and so this is, I moved up here in 2020. So this is my third winter here. Um, it's, uh, it's a great place to, um, tap into your creativity. Yeah. Um, it's very quiet. I will say, you know, the hardest months are really January and February just because it's so dark. Right. But, um, we've got the benefit of sunlight on our side now that we're, you know, beyond, uh, daylight savings. Um, and that's really when you get to experience the magic of it. It's, it's, you know, we're like an extra 50 miles east, um, out to the coast. Um, so the sunset for us in like January, February is like 445. It's oh, wow. pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got you. Yeah. And Provincetown <laughs> figures prominently in your film, Chrissy Judy. Um, yes. why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about what it's about? How do you describe the movie to people that know nothing about it? Yeah, so for people who don't know anything about the film, um, I like to say that it is a platonic love story about a friendship breakup between two drag queens. 
Perfect. But I know that sounds maybe no, confusing. I got it. Yeah. Yeah, I, it okay, landed. Um, got the soundbite. <laughs> perfect. I love stories about friendships because the friendships in my life are my most prominent relationships. Um, I don't have a lot of family nearby, and I'm not in a romantic relationship. Friends are the ball game. They're the whole thing. Yeah. What made you want to write about friendship? You know, similar. Um, I had this I, – I had a couple really intense friendships in my 20s. Um, and so I, you know, I hesitate to say that the film's autobiographical. I started writing it in 2018 when I left New York, which had been my home of 13 years, um, to move to Philadelphia and pursue uh, a romantic relationship. And so I suppose my personal story aligns a little bit with that of Chrissy's in the film. Um, but then beyond that, it's, it's, you know, completely fictional. Um, so I think really like, I love queer cinema. I don't think we have enough stories out there. And what I find about queer cinema in general is that we get like, you know, we get our coming out stories and we have stories of unrequited love. And sometimes we have stories of like overcoming victimhood and like our pandemic AIDS stories. But we really don't, I just, I don't see enough film that dives into the inner workings and the inner world of um, queer culture. And so much of that is centered around our friendships because we have, we have to carve out our chosen family and find those people. And um, yeah, I just had a couple really incredible, intense, beautiful friendships in my twenties that I wanted to honor um, and talk about those people who shaped me and who I am. And, um, and I think that's really where um, the heart of the story is for Chrissy Judy. And I think that's what has made it such a universal film and why people are, you know, flocking to see it around the globe. Now, do your friends that you sort of think about when you were writing this, have they seen the film? Have they commented? Have they picked out little moments? So I know that two of them have. Right. Um, and I don't I don't think that they see any of themselves in it, really. Um, well, they're just an one, overall feeling. Yeah, it's just an overall feeling. There is one person in particular who Judy is really based on, and I'm not sure if they've seen the film. Um, we're sort of still in touch, but not, um, you know, talking regularly um which i i think you know uh is another reason it was very cathartic writing this um just kind of diving into like what that relationship was how intense and meaningful it was and also the importance of for both of us to let go of that and move on yeah from what i understand as you've pursued your career you've thought of yourself as an actor first and mm. making this movie was a way to give yourself a chance to do what you love right what's, yeah what's so interesting to me is you do not create a totally heroic, noble character. Judy's kind of a hot mess. Like, oh, yeah. it's interesting to me that, like, I'm going to create this vehicle my, for myself, and I'm going to play somebody who's a little difficult. She's a little salty. Yeah, very right? unlikable. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's going on there? Because, you know, it's not like, this is my time to shine, and now I'm <laughs> drunk and being a pain in the ass. Um, yeah, I, I think that I also, um, you know... I think what I want to do in in the work that I create in the um, that centers around queer culture is I want to start stripping away this idea that we have to present ourselves as palatable for uh, the heteronormative community. And um, guess what? There are a lot of people like Judy out there who are just a little insufferable, but they're like a huge part of our community because Judy, you know, doesn't a lot of Judy's behavior is. Um, 
is reactionary and something that is like set upon him, you know? Right. And so, um, I think that there are a lot of people like that out there. And I wanted to, I think that we have the trope of like the bitchy queen in right. all of our films. Um, and, and what I love is like, some people have picked up on this, you know, there are very few female characters in the film. And I hope in my next film, I have way, way more female characters. But in this, I just wanted, you know, we don't see gay men in any films that center around a straight male lead. And we get gay characters with films that center around straight female leads. But normally they're like the best friends or like that guy who's kind of bitchy to her at the coffee shop. And so I was like, okay, what if we get all of these women in here and... And Judy is that person who is, like, the trope bitchy character in all of their, you know, like, the bad roommate or the guy who's an awful cater waiter or, you know, the guy at the at the beauty counter. Who, the shoplifter. Um, the shoplifter. And, like, <laughs> and, and, and uh, can we get a look into, like, who they are at their What's core? What's going on and there? They- yeah. And so it was fun exploring that. I think, you know, I think it, 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 I've heard a lot of criticism. People are like, it's a good movie, but it's just hard to watch because Judy is so unlikable. But then I have people who are like, oh my God, I couldn't get off the roller coaster. It's, you know, so I think it is just a matter of like taste and what you're willing to put up with. But, um, if you stick it out to the end, I think you'll see Judy, um, Judy's heart. Yeah. Under all of it. Yeah. I particularly love the ending and without giving anything away, um, it reminded me of Saturday Night Fever, one of my favorite movie endings. Um, but uh, what were you? Um, how did you think about the ending without spoiling it? Like, what what was your sort of intention? So, in honoring friendships that go through these breakups, what's interesting is you know when you're mourning the loss of that friendship, you're not mourning a death. That person still exists out there, and so there's always this feeling of, is there something that I could do? to make things better? Is there something that I could do to um, repair the damage? And I think where Chrissy and Judy are at the end of the film is um, living in the uncertainty of what is ahead of them. Right. And, And not only living in the uncertainty, but also really honoring what they were for each other for all of those years before they had a falling out. And I think that that's really what I want to touch on is that, you know, people come in and out of our lives all the time. And I've had experiences where I thought, well, this is a friend for a lifetime. And, you know, the most innocuous of circumstances will happen where they move across the country. And I think, well, our friendship's strong enough to handle that right. or whether that's harm. And it just isn't, you know? No, and there were pandemic friends where I'm like, oh, wow, this, we didn't go yeah. the distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then some you get back on track and then some you don't. Um your your the cinematography is beautiful, black and white, and I thought you did an amazing thing where you you don't have a big budget, but you want it to look visually cool. So how do you do that? Mm. What do you do? Like you don't you can't throw money at it. So you made no. this decision and your brother is your cinematographer. Yeah. Um older yeah. brother, younger brother? Younger brother. I'm fascinated but, by but, this yeah. partnership. Um, I just saw the Outsiders musical in San Diego, and it's all about brothers. Oh, really? It's so good. I cried through the whole thing. But ah. it's about brothers. And I have brothers, but they're much older than me, and I never had close brothers. So mm. I'm, I'm interested in, in your relationship as a, as a team because the movie looks so good. Can you talk a little Thank bit you. about working with your brother on the cinematography? Yeah. I, you know, truly, I hope that I get to work with him on every project that I do moving forward as You're a like, director. You could be like the Coen brothers. Yeah. I know, right? Um, Brendan is amazing. Um, 
I think what serves us is that we shared a room for 16 years, so we can kind of, like, read each other's minds. Right. Um, and there is a shorthand with us creatively. We've been, we have been making little dumb movies together our, for our whole lives. So um, I think visually we share the same aesthetic. And um, I think that, like, I just feel so lucky to have him not only as a brother but as a friend. Um, where he is strong, I am weak. And where I am strong, he is weak. And we come together to support each other always. Um, and so I think, you know, uh, I knew that I wanted to shoot this in black and white as I started writing it, um, before I knew what kind of budget we would get. I just, I love the idea of telling this, uh, story about a friendship through this, like, kind of clouded, timeless, romantic lens of black and white cinematography. And, um, when we, you know, committed to this very limited budget, um, we decided that it, you know, was not going to be doable for us to have a lighting kit so a lot of the light that we shot with was natural light and that's really where the two of us um shine is you know we i came to set every day with a shot list and and an idea of you know how i wanted to track things but then of course you know a cloud will roll over the sky and you didn't have a lighting kit so so interesting yeah so um so it, it it was a lot of saying like okay this is the shot and we have to go now and um and just having that honesty, you know, I think another blessing was that it was just he and I, and then his wife was our sound mixer. So right. that was our crew. You know, we didn't have like 12 people on set kind of like trying to add their two cents in or a producer who was like, you know, we can't do it that way. Or we're going to be pressed for time if we, you know, set the shot this way. So it really was just like what he calls run and gun and like, you know, making decisions in the moment and committing to them. Well, you're obviously both very gifted with this stuff because you did you made something very striking with such uh, limited resources. Um, you said your brother is married and straight. Is it? Mm-hmm. And you're doing sex scenes in front of him. You guys must have a. It must be cool. Like and also like a sex scene where you didn't douche. Like it's like your brother must be like rolling with it. My brother would not handle that well. I think you know my brother moved to. I encouraged him to move to New York when he was like 23 and. Right. Um, you know, this, uh, all of these beautiful circumstances lifted him up to be there. And then he got this great job. He works on Saturday night live now. Um, yeah. So he, how soon until you're dating Pete Davidson? I feel like that should happen. (laughs) I mean, TikTok, you know what? It's up to him. (laughs) He's got a dance card. And when your name comes up, it'll, it'll be on. I'm ready. Yeah. I love it. What does he do on Saturday night live? He is on their lighting team. Nice. So uh, he mostly lights all the bands, but then he does um, anything that you see with like wacky LED lighting. He's yeah. working tirelessly for 60 hours, you know, that week. Have you been um, to a taping? My dream is to go to an SNL taping. I've never been. I, I have. But so this is what's so crazy. I've only ever been to one. Oh, who um, was and it? And it was. Um, oh, Jesus. It was. Um, <gasps> he had just. He just won the Oscar for supporting actor for um, that drum movie. Oh my god, it's it's like CK something, but it's not CK. What was it like to be there? So it was his first night on the floor. It was oh. crazy, and he had been working there for about a year and a half. Yeah, um, in the shop and just yeah. kind of like, um, and he called me. And he was like, dude, they gave me two tickets. Can, how soon can you be down here? And I was like, I, uh, I'm dropping everything. I'm there. So I went with his um, best friend at the time. 
and we sat like up in the very, very back. And it was, I think two or three years before he got another pair of seats. And that was, that's it. He's, I think he's only ever gotten four tickets. Wow. It, and you were able to an make impossible. it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it was just like this kismet experience. Yeah. And it was his first night. So it was so exciting. Yeah. Um, I remember now the movie you're talking about, but I also can't think of the name. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, Miles Teller. Yes. What's the movie? Yes. He's, they're, they're drumming and he's a tyrant. <laughs> yes, uh, it's not Because I know the listeners are screaming in their car right now. <laughs> All right. But, we, but you got to go and it was exciting and cool and the cue cards was really and the whole cool. thing. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yes. What is it like to direct yourself in a sex scene? Because you, you want to know where people are in yeah. the frame. Like, how do you do that when it's you? Everything's very choreographed. Um, and that's also how we're able to make it not feel uncomfortable. And, you know, um, we talked about all of this stuff. You know, there, there are three sex scenes. The first one is virtually in darkness and it's not really anything. Um, and the second one is more like a, a comedic kind of approach to like how awkward and uncomfortable gay sex can be. Um, and we were fully clothed in that, you know, it's it was whatever. But the third, sex scene is very intimate. Um, and it was all completely choreographed, you know? So we knew going in what we wanted all the shots to look like. And I had my underwear on the whole time. I think Joey had his underwear on the whole time. So, you know, you kind of get past the awkwardness of being like, my brother is shooting this. This is so weird. Why am I doing this to myself? Um, but really, if you just look at it like a dance, I don't know. And of course, you know, there, there, you know, his wife, our sound mixer is on the set. And then Wyatt Fenner was also on set, like, you know, helping us with little things. And his partner was on set. So they're just, people are watching, you know, it's, it's not, not like, um, I don't know. I think what, it's a real testament to Joey and my chemistry that we were able to make that feel so intimate knowing <laughs> who was actually on right. set, um, choreographing all of that with us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're they're very convincing. They're very real. They're a little awkward, and but I just love that you're not. No one's behind the camera, really. You, you everything was planned out, and then you call yeah. action, and then you're there. Um, yeah, I understand that you made this movie and other projects that you've done part of out of frustration with with the acting opportunities you were getting or not getting. And I read somewhere mm-hmm. that you would you would be up for understudying some straight actor in a gay role. Like that must be. Mm-hmm. So frustrating. Was that like a pattern? Was that sort of like the thing? Oh, at the time? that was the la- that was the last two or three years of my life in New York City, where I, so I had done this really incredible play off Broadway that you know we got great reviews in the Times, and um, we were all like nominated for little awards in the industry, and um, uh, it was so amazing. And I could not get work after that, Oof. and I. You know, and, and everything that I was going up for was to understudy a straight person who was playing a gay part. And, um, you know, it, it just, it, it got to the point to, for me where I was like, you know, I think people keep saying to me, I don't know where you fit. And so I have to show people where I have to create a space to fit yeah. in, basically. Well, yeah. I think you've done that beautifully. That must be so frustrating. And I think when I think about, that dynamic, and I, you see it play a part, uh, play out in other areas. I think deep down, there's a lot of people that just think straight people are better. Deep down, they wouldn't admit it, but deep down, there, there's a th- there's a thing. And I think we have to. I've I've noticed that myself a little bit. Like, I think it's a thing that that people have to be aware of, and that, that it's it's a bias that is. Well, 
I will also say this because I used to feel that way and I was very cynical about it. And now that I'm really steeped in the industry, I understand a different aspect of it, which is that box office is everything. Right. And every single actor has a secret box office number over their head. It's crazy. It's disgusting. Right. And what happens is straight actors just have more opportunities to book work. Right. It's so they have a track record. That guy was on this number yeah. is just going to be bigger than someone like me or Wyatt Fenner or Joey Taranto, who are all very brilliant and talented, but you know, we are also obviously gay men. Yeah. And so yeah. our opportunities to work are in this very limited, narrow window. And you're talking about for the last 10 years, most queer representation up until the last maybe four or five years on television has been, Hey girl, you know, right. And so, and there are people who do that really well and yeah. do that brand of comedy really well. So, you know, I think, um, I, I hope that queer cinema is expanding in this way where we are, are able to get more people like myself and, and, you know, all of these incredible actors who are in the film are all queer identifying. Um, and so I hope that we're just witnessing sort of a renaissance for these actors to book work. And, and that's not to say that anyone who was doing those roles straight, or straight actors doing those roles wasn't talented or, or good. Um, some of them went on to win Tony Awards. Right. Um, obviously, they're talented. But um, I do think that there is a depth of understanding of the queer experience that is missing a lot of times when I see straight people play gay roles. And I hope that we see a stronger push to put actual gay people in, in these roles. Well, I could see being you and being like, you know what? I've done enough of this. I'm doing something different. <laughs> you know? um, what was the name of the show that you were talking about that 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 you was so well received? It was called Pereira. Um, it was written by Jay Stephen Brantley, um, and it was about like an NGO worker who was in Malawi, um, working on um, trying to get funding for an orphanage there. And then the stage simultaneously was split with characters in New York City. There was a Malawian. Um, immigrant working in a flower shop with like his gay coworker. And so the four of us shared the stage, but never interacted with each other. And, um, it was just really innovative theater, um, and a really beautiful story. And, um, it, it shaped a lot of my career today. Yeah. I love that. Um, you play a drag queen in the movie and you're very convincing. You look amazing and you didn't have a big crew. Like, like, you know, when you hear about drag race and RuPaul, I mean, that takes a village. So talk about the drag aspect. Is it something you had spent a lot of time doing in the past or was it relatively new? Because you were very convincing and you're very striking when you're in full drag. Oh, thank you. Um, so I had never done drag before I started writing the film. Um, wow. And I, yeah, I, uh, I, I thought that writing about drag queens would be a great way to, first of all, cement Chrissy and Judy together, but then also... Um, tell the story of how difficult it is for queer people to make queer art for queer people. And, um, and so when I started writing about this drag duo, I reached out to a friend of mine, um, Maddie Milan, who is a brilliant drag artist in Philadelphia. And he put me through the ringer. And, um, basically I took a gig working the door at a club for six weeks and drag. And that was really, I mean, <laughs> I, at my first time putting my own makeup on, I, I, I will burn all of those pictures or delete them from, I've scrubbed them from the internet. Um, they were not great. So it, it did take a lot of time to figure out how to apply makeup. And, um, I knew that we weren't going to have the, uh, funding to have an artist on set or makeup artist. So it was a lot of 
on the days that we did shoot in drag, it was a lot of like, you know, waking up at 4.30 in the morning and putting on the face and then showing up to set and directing with a face on. <laughs> so, um, wow. but that That's same, major. yeah, that same drag artist, Maddie did all of my wigs um, and really like had a great, and she did three of my costumes, I think. Yeah. And so it did a great job of really um, plotting out Judy's growth as a drag artist. Um, so we see, you know, like yeah. maybe the, the, Let's put together side of Judy initially, and then um, his evolution into this uh, beauty queen. Yeah. yeah, who sings beautifully as well. What was oh, the worst night when you were working at the door in drag? Oh when God! Were you like this life is too short for this bullshit? Um, I was going through a really tough time at that point. I was going through a breakup, and I think a lot of the people who I saw. Coming in, were you know associated me with this person who You're I was like, in a relationship. Oh, with. they had that that face, that face of like, oh, you just are you okay, face? And and I was like in drag that I had done myself, and like not. <laughs> it, it was a lot, you know what I mean? I it was, was like, like wow. yeah, it, it was a lot emotionally going on right. at that time. But um, great character building and uh, backstory stuff for Judy. So. <laughs> There's a scene in the movie that resonated for me a lot, which is where Judy goes to Philadelphia to see Chrissy, the friend who's moved there. Mm -hmm. And Chrissy's doing like drag bingo at something. And there's a good Mm -hmm. feeling in the air. And I think the question is, can I just go somewhere calmer and do drag bingo? Is that going to be enough for me? Or do I need bigger showbiz, right? That's what I was thinking about. And I felt like Mm -hmm. maybe you as the creator or you as Judy were thinking about that too. Can I just do drag bingo? Once in a while, yeah. and can't that be enough? Is that is that I, something that I'm picking up on, or is there a thread oh, there that you're exploring? No, it's totally. Listen, you know, in in all honesty, um, I never thought that I would be here with my career. I never thought that I would be a writer director trying to promote a film. Um, and I'm so grateful to be here. And I think it's so fascinating, like the the unexpected journey that life takes you on. Um, but no, if you asked me when I moved to New York, when I was 19, what I wanted to do, I wanted to be a Broadway actor who didn't sing and just did plays on Broadway and off Broadway. And for much of my training in New York, I thought that that would be possible. And, um, the limited opportunities that I got to work, um, you know, I would probably do one to two plays off Broadway or in the indie space a year. And now I look back and I'm like, wow, that was so much. But at the time, it just never felt like enough. Um, And uh, yeah, I ask myself that question all the time. Is there a space I can go where I can just do the work that I love? And um, it's a a weird balancing act. You know, you have to um, you have to keep climbing the ladder just to feed the hungry ghost, I guess. For sure. And Um, also... Being a filmmaker, you're an entrepreneur. You're a business. You're not just an artist. Yeah. And does <laughs> yeah. that stuff come naturally to you, or are you are you like, oh, I gotta make those emails. I gotta do that, 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 that. Um, I am. Un- I'm. I'm good at it. Good. I. Um, it seems like could you be are. Better. Yeah, I, I could be better at it, but um, it, you know, the the distributors have been amazing, and our PR team has been really great, and the publicist um, sent me an email at like because he's in LA like three in the morning, his time. And I think I answered it like within 30 minutes and he was like, Oh my God, do you sleep? You must line. And I was just like, it's an important time right now for yeah. me to be ambitious and to, you know, um, <laughs> be available. 
So I, I, I'm, I'm better at it, better at it than I thought I would be, but it is, it's, um, it's the part of the industry that people don't tell you about or teach you how to navigate. Yeah. Well, you're stepping up. Um, I have a couple more questions for you, but first tell people how they can see the movie. You can find Chrissy Judy, uh, anywhere you buy or rent movies. So, uh, iTunes, Amazon, uh, Vodou, um, Google play, you name it. We're there. Um, yeah, that's where you can see Chrissy Judy. I love it. I love film festivals. You've played a bunch of them. What's a film festival moment you'll never forget? Uh, you know, um, there are so many. Seeing it for the first time on the screen in Provincetown with the Provincetown community was so overwhelming. I mean, you know, I had been working on this thing in the dark for a year and so many people read the script or saw little clips here and there and, and, and were excited about it and, and came to support um, but to hear that first laugh and to ride the wave of the audience emotions throughout that whole first, um, screening was, was just such a relief and so exciting. Um, and then we just screened in London at BFI and we were in a house, a sold out house with like 450 people. And I wasn't sure how the Brits were going to react to it. Cause I've heard that they can be a little quiet and they were raucous and got every single joke. And, um, it was the same thing. I was like, wow, you know, this really has reach. It, it, it's, um, it's a story that, um, has universal appeal and it's, it's exciting to see people all over the world, um, loving on it. I love it. All right. This is my last question from the outside. It seems like you sort of took a big bet on yourself and it paid off. Right. Um, is that, is that how it feels or does it feel like, okay, what's next? Or like, how does it feel? To be where you are now. Uh, you know, well, I just mentioned The Hungry Ghost. Um, <laughs> That's your next movie. It's them. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready now. Um, I did just finish writing my next feature. And so I'm already kind of trying to think of how I can parlay this success into something new. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's a way that you have to navigate this industry where you have to pursue what you love because that will always show and um, excite people. But there's also a way where you have to be a little calculated in what you're putting out into the world. Yeah. Um, so what I'm working on next is um, a little scary. I don't know if it's a departure from this type of comedy of Chrissy Judy. Um, so I hope that I can get it off the ground and, and get that to work. Um, I did just shoot a film just as an actor, Um Marco Calvani directed and wrote um, Best Place. Um, Marissa Tomei is in it and Bill Irwin's in it. Right so on. That's Congrats. Really, yeah, thanks. So that should be coming out soon. And I'm just excited to see where that goes. It's such, the script was beautiful. Um, I've seen little clips of it. So I'm excited to see what the finished product is and how audiences react to it. But it's a beautiful film. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to blindly walk forward praying that there's not a cliff in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much, Todd. Oh, hey, one final question. Um, next yeah. time in P-Town, what's the thing I need to do that none of the tourists really know about? What's the little local thing? Oh, okay. Um, so my favorite place to go swimming is the breakwater. Do you ever go there? No, I don't know. I've only been once. Okay. Okay, yeah. I it's, was in a parade really with Cindy Lauper in the car with me, and she wasn't that yes! nice. That's my, that's my takeaway. That's my P-Town trauma that I'm that's a great. That's a great P-Town memory. Uh, she, um, we yeah, were in the car for 45 she, minutes. She didn't say two words to me. I was sitting right next to her. Anyway, weird. Um, <laughs> um, so the breakwater. Yeah. 
The breakwater is a really long jetty wall that connects um, town to Woods End and this lighthouse um, that, like, is not really um, serviceable anymore. Sure. Um, if you go and walk along the water at the right point of time during the tide, um, you can just have one of the best swims of your life. It's, like, it's it's everything is, like, conspires to make for the perfect afternoon of just lounging on the rocks. And, and um, that's where I go. When I want to go swimming, I love it. I also forgot about the foxes. You you have foxes show yes. up in your movie, and I'm yes. like, you have no budget. How did that work? Luck. Um, Were they just lucky I, foxes that showed up? Or one uh, fox. So I, when I uh, a fox, when I wrote the script, um, I had always had that moment, and, and people would say, "Well, how how are we going to do this?" And do, do you can't even get, get a, a you don't even have a light kick. You're going to get a you're going to get a couple foxes in here. What? That's crazy. <laughs> exactly. So we we. Um, I had a backup for that scene where I said, okay, you know, if we don't see a fox, we'll just talk about that night that we saw a fox on the beach. And we took the wide shot. And uh, it was a very emotional scene for Wyatt and for myself. And so we we got the wide. It felt good. I think we did like one or two takes. And we started to come in for the (laughs) close-ups. Brendan was on the beach. And he was like, guys, there's a fox on the beach. So he... We got the camera, I went down, we turned it around, and we watched the fox sort of scurry along the beach, and then we came back up onto the rocks and um, started shooting uh, Wyatt's close-up, and Brendan was like, guys, that same fox is coming up onto the rocks now. So we were dead silent, he pivoted, we sort of watched the fox, just like... Don't spook the fox, don't spook the fox. Yeah, yeah, and then from that, I went and watched the playback, and once we knew that it looked as beautiful as it did, we decided that we would be able to keep it, um... And then we just kind of like, I didn't want to go back into the wide because I knew how emotional it was for Wyatt. And I knew that he had a couple more um, close-ups that we wanted to get for him. So I was like, let's just figure out how we can maneuver um, the blocking on this. And yeah, it just, it's it's one of my favorite movies in the film. P-Town Magic. P-Town Magic. It happened. The fox showed up. He didn't want to sign a release, but ultimately he did it. All right. So fun talking to you, Todd. Good luck with everything you do. I think it's inspiring. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been a blast. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks again to Todd Flaherty. Check out his movie, Chrissy Judy, wherever you buy your movies online. Buy it. Rent it. You'll be glad you did. Uh, Okay, so this happened. It was Easter just this last weekend as I'm recording this, and I decided a little day trip was in order. So I took the train by myself from Los Angeles down to San Diego, and I saw the last matinee performance of the new Outsiders musical. The Outsiders, the book, and the film. It is now a musical, and um, a a couple of friends had raved about it, so I was like, I think I'm going to do this. So... I take the train down there. I, I get my lift from the train to the thing. I'm like, I'm into it. It's good. And I love the musical. I, I cried through most of it. I tend to cry in musicals for no reason, but there were plenty of reasons to do this because it's just such a, it's just such a beautiful, poignant story about these guys who have to try to be tough and they don't know how to express themselves or connect with each other and they're doing the best and they're pitted against each other in these stupid turf war kind of feuds, and it's just great. There's Pony Boy, there's Soda Pop, there's all the all the people that became big movie stars like Patrick Swayze and Matt Dillon, and and that that movie that just seemed like a farm camp for future movie stars. But I just love the musical. I, I the cast was wonderful. They they made it rain on stage, like in the in the big rumble, um, and the choreography was cool. Just everything about it and um made me think about brotherhood and uh 
friendship and masculinity. And uh, I don't know. I hope it uh, goes to Broadway and I hope it has a long life because people deserve to see it. And then after that, I got to have dinner with an old friend of mine from the cruise ship days, Carol. And uh, I just want to say I've been sleeping on calzones. Um, So if you're a calzone and you're listening to this, I want to apologize to you. We went to uh, an Italian restaurant and we decided to split a calzone. And I've, you know, I've known of them and I've probably had a handful in my life. This waiter brought out a calzone. It was so big, it felt like a pig with an apple in it. It was that big. And we tore into that calzone and it was so delicious. So I want to apologize to all the calzones I could have been eating all of these years if I had been more open to it. I feel like it was a shortcoming on my on my part. But uh, it was great to see Carol. It was great to see the musical and have that little getaway. So that's enough for this week. Thank you for listening. I want to give a shout-out to AJ Sousa for mixing the episodes. My theme music is by Mark Daniels for Placement Music. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.